Welcome to the Tech Ed Podcast, where we visit with leaders who are shaping, innovating, and disrupting technical education. People who are not afraid to think differently, not afraid to try something new, all with the goal of securing the American dream for the next generation of STEM and workforce talent. When we think of Mercury Marine, what comes to mind? To me, it's watching my kids water ski, it's fishing with my father-in-law, So when I used to hang out on my sailboat in Milwaukee's McKinley Marina and look at the Boston Whaler on the next dock over with three 350 horsepower Mercury outboards hanging off the back. Lots of great memories when I think of the company today's guest is responsible for. I've also been a supplier to Mercury Marine. Back in my days as a manufacturing CEO, Mercury and its plant in Fond du Lac, Wisconsin was a major customer of our company's. So I know firsthand the advanced manufacturing practices, the automation, the commitment to quality, and the high standards that the people who build Mercury's products live by. So Mercury Marine is all about great memories. It's all about cutting-edge manufacturing, but it is also all about innovation, about technology, about the convergence of digitization, data, electrification in Industry 4.0, and that convergence with machines like outboard motors and inboard engines And today we get to talk all about that. Hello, my name is Matt Kirkner, your host for the Tech Ed Podcast. And today we are with the gentleman who leads Mercury Marine. Chris Drees is Vice President of Brunswick Corporation and President of Brunswick's $3 billion division, Mercury Marine, a division, by the way, with which he has 20 years of experience. Now, Chris, I've been looking forward to this interview for quite some time. I really appreciate you joining us on the Tech Ed Podcast. Matt, thank you very much and uh, look forward to speaking with you. We're going to start by talking all about innovation in marine engine technology. Now, Mercury Marine is at the forefront of marine propulsion systems technology. Electrification, electric vehicles are a huge topic today. We had Cummins Vice President of Manufacturing on with us not too long ago. And we talked all about electrification in the automotive engine market. Now, how is electrification affecting the marine industry? So, Matt, great question. I get asked that continually, as you know. And and recently, we we launched our investor video where Mercury committed to releasing five new outboard motors uh, electrified. And our intent is to be the market leader in both internal combustion engines, but also of electric outboard motors by 2023. So certainly it's started in the marine industry, mainly with some small outboard motors in areas where it's been mandated, but it's certainly a growing trend in the marketplace. You know, you mentioned some of the things that we have to overcome uh, on the marine side, and you mentioned the three 350s out on the lake. So as a comparison, if you took the largest Tesla battery currently being produced and put it in that boat powered by three 350s, you could go at wide open throttle for approximately six to eight minutes. So you could see some of the challenges where people are running four hours on these boats to go out fishing offshore and come back. It's just a challenge that I know our engineering team is uh, primed to overcome, but certainly battery technology is going to play a key, key piece of that moving forward. 
And that's a pretty major initiative and, and a pretty short time frame as well. By 2023, it'll be leading in both internal combustion and electric motors. We look forward to, to watching that innovation. Certainly as a boater myself, uh, if I'm going to open up my boat for a period of time, we need to make sure that we don't run out of power within six to eight minutes. So understand <laughs> the uh, the necessity to make sure that you're complying both with the, the goal of electrification, but also just as important with making sure that your products are ones that are going to resonate with your customers. Right, exactly. And that's why we're really targeting what size motor to start with uh, to make them because there's also a cost trade-off where an electrified motor, let's say in a 10 horsepower range would be approximately six times the cost of a current internal combustion engine. So putting that all together, the value needs to be there for the consumer as well, Matt. And it's going to be interesting to watch that innovation as you come across and overcome those challenges and the advancements in your product lines. I know electrification is just one of those advancements. We're going to talk today about digitization and data. And I know you've got a relatively new product, VesselView Mobile, which is really harnessing the power of data and digitization in the marine industry. Tell us how this technology works and a little bit about how it will benefit your consumers. I think it's a great innovation for Mercury. Basically, SVU mobile module attaches to the engine, and then on your smartphone, you can have all the engine data show up on your smartphone that you need from speed, RPM, temps, pressure, voltages, and any engine alarm that might go off and provide details on what that alarm is. So in cases where you have a smaller boat without outfitted with every gauge, this is a great way to cost reduce that. Secondarily, what it also does, if you connect it with your dealer, your dealer also can see those faults in your engine. So you could have a discussion with your dealer. He could have live real-time data from your engine to help diagnose that. Maybe it's a, a small thing that you can fix while you're on the water. And having all the information is so crucial to keep people out in the water, enjoying their time. That's absolutely incredible. I just want to expound on, on what you mentioned there, Chris. Again, as somebody who spent a lot of time on the water, as somebody who actually has been out on the lake and had an engine kill while I'm actually trying to enjoy my time, in my case, sailing. And by the way, it wasn't a Mercury engine in that case. It was, a, it was an older, older diesel engine on a sailboat. But I know what that panic can be like and being able to connect with somebody who can look right into the engine, look right into the data and say, here's what the issue is. Uh, here's how you might resolve it. Just think about how far that technology's come. That's incredible. It's amazing. And Matt, a lot of times, as you know, it's not the engine. Sometimes as you're uh, on a sandbar, you might be using the stereo for too long, uh, have a refrigerator going and you wear out the batteries so you don't have enough amps to crank over the engine. So in a lot of cases, it's not necessarily the engine, but all the other systems that could affect it. Absolutely. I've got a good friend actually who's volunteered with the Coast Guard Auxiliary for decades. And he says one of the most common things they respond to out on the lake is uh, boaters who've run out of gas. So in that case, not the, <laughs> not the engine at all, but actually just not thinking far enough ahead uh, about where they were going and, and how much fuel they were going to need. That certainly can be an issue with the boat itself, with the engine. It can be even create safety issues. And on that topic, I want to talk a little bit about your first mate marine safety and security system. I know you grew up around on Lake Michigan, know firsthand both the benefits and the joy of growing up around the water, but also the fact that we have drilled into our heads. Uh, there are some serious potential safety issues associated with boating. 
know you've got some technology that helps address that in part. Tell us about First Mate Marine safety and security. As we focus on enjoyment and time on the water, keeping people safe is first and foremost for us. So what we've done is develop a system that a wearable bracelet that the captain would have and anybody in the boat, even your dog could put one on. And imagine if somebody in the boat goes overboard, it will alert the captain and everybody else on the vessel that that person has gone overboard to allow you to adjust, to pick them up. And especially with small children, a lot of great peace of mind. But secondarily, what it also does, if you're a captain, let's say you're fishing at night alone in Lake Michigan, somehow you're leaning over to catch a fish, you go overboard. On the captain's fob, it will automatically cut off the engine. And if the captain doesn't reset it in a certain amount of time, it will also send a distress message to a list of numbers that you have on. So think about that, the safety night fishing, where you have that backup there. Also, there's theft detection system. And even if you get this, you can get reduced insurance rates. So a lot of features built into this one really cool module that we developed. That's really, really impressive in terms of the, you know, not just the benefits to the the boater themselves, to their family, to keeping them safe, but just thinking about all of this innovation in areas that, you know, aren't necessarily directly tied to the engine itself, but the experience that goes around and the, uh, the joy that that engine is providing for the user, for the boater as they're spending their time out on the water. You know, another thing I want to just chat about here, we mentioned the 350 horsepower uh, engines on the back of, in my case, the Boston Whaler across the marina from me three of them. Uh, And in that situation, it was a fishing boat. And now we're starting to see things like 300 horsepower engines on pontoon boats. Did you ever think that you would see that in your your lifetime? And and as a follow-up and looking to the future, what are some of the innovations that you think we'll see in marine technology in the next 10 years or so? I've seen wind 300s on the back of a pontoon boat. And you probably have known we recently released a 600 horsepower engine here at Mercury. I won't doubt it within the next year or two, you'll see a 600 horsepower on the back of a pontoon. I don't know exactly what they'll be doing, Matt, but maybe showing off a little bit, (laughs) but it's incredible and people just love it. We've built in so much technology into the new 600, whether it be the first transmission in an outboard, a steerable lower unit so the engines don't sway back and forth extended maintenance, just immense amount of technology built into that 600 horsepower engine. And moving forward, I could see us continue to expand that and continue to expand into things like autonomy, uh, where we could assist people in docking, similar to cars. I see that certainly in the future coming up. You know, I can tell you from experience that there's some uh, some folks on my dock at McKinley Marina that probably would have benefited from that uh, autonomous docking technology and the rest of us as well. So we talk now about innovation in your product line. I want to turn the discussion now, Chris, to um, the world of manufacturing. And we've talked with a number of manufacturing leaders here on our podcast. We've had Blake Moret from Rockwell Automation. Dan Aarons of Aarons Company, both Todd and Ron Wanick from Ashley Furniture. We already mentioned Peter Anderson from Cummins, Wes Saber from Haribo, Laura Kohler from Kohler. We even had a gentleman, Vice President of Operations, Ed McGee from Fender Guitar, just to name a few. And what's interesting is they're all manufacturers, 
but every single one of those industries has its own unique needs and challenges. Building a bedroom set is quite a bit different than producing gummy bears or for that matter, guitars. When you look at the marine industry, what is unique about your manufacturing processes and the manufacturing of marine engines? We have so many unique processes at Mercury Marine. It's really incredible. Mercury is extremely vertically integrated. So our engines start as recycled tire rims. Virtually, we get recycled tire rims in chip format. We've blended and developed our own metallurgical process and patented our own alloy. From that side, it's a low copper to prevent corrosion. From that, we do cast it. And for some time in the last two years, we held the title of having the largest high-pressure die-cast machine in the United States, 4,500 ton. Now, the last year, Tesla outdid us uh, with a little bit larger ones, but for some time, we do that. We, In fact, we die-cast our own V8, and now our V12 blocks in there. So it's amazing all the way from our die cast process to machining, all the way to our coating systems, because if you think about the environment we operate in, extremely corrosive, we operate in salt water. So everything that we focus on, whether it be the metallurgy, coatings, uh, paint systems, everything is focused on preventing corrosion within our system. So Combining all that along with the state-of-the-art assembly lines at Mercury, you get a really unique process that encompasses nearly three and a half million square feet under roof here within Mercury Marine. So we think about the battle that's going on right now between Richard Branson and Jeff Bezos in terms of going to space. It sounds like maybe a similar battle going on between Chris Dries and Elon Musk in terms of the largest high-pressure die-cast machines. So, <laughs> interesting how we, how we find our, our opportunities to compete in manufacturing and, and really drive ourselves to be better. So somebody advances a technology, somebody builds something bigger and better, and it just creates that opportunity for the next company to find a way to innovate, to find a way to drive manufacturing technology forward. Speaking of driving manufacturing technology, I know you've made some huge capital expenditures in recent years in state-of-the-art machining centers that have enabled you to increase the horsepower to weight ratio of your engines. And I know a number of people have credited this innovation, at least in part, with your huge increase in market share in recent years. Do you agree that that's been a huge factor in that increase in market share? And are there other examples like this that you'd like to share with our audience? I think it's not only the manufacturing processes that we do utilize, but it's the investment in upfront engineering and what we consider design for Six Sigma, design for manufacturability. All those play a key role in helping lightweight our products. Um, Interesting enough, at Mercury, we have over 420 engineers currently working at our campus in Fond du Lac. 111 have master's degrees, Matt. 11 with PhDs, and we average uh, close to 70 patents a year right from this facility. In fact, in Wisconsin, the only company that has more engineers on staff, believe it or not, is the state of Wisconsin, the UW system. So it's just amazing investing in the upfront, then having the talent in our manufacturing operations to work in unison with our engineering team. 
there's a lot of back and forth that goes. There's a lot of analysis, whether it be mold flow analysis, magma simulation, to really lightweight the parts that we get into. Being so vertically integrated just gives us a leg up on our competition that relies a lot on outsourced product. Who would have guessed that behind those walls you have 420 engineers that are consistently innovating your product and consistently innovating your manufacturing processes. So certainly uh, one part of the the many reasons that Mercury Marine has been able to stay ahead in the market. We're going to talk about those engineers and and your advice maybe for some budding engineers a little bit later in our podcast. For now, I want to stay on this topic of manufacturing technology and talk a little bit more about the Industry 4.0 data and digitization. Now, you've talked about this technology and how it manifests itself in your product, how it manifests itself in the consumer experience. Let's talk about how it affects operations and manufacturing, smart sensors, smart devices, advanced automation, collaborative robotics. We've got artificial intelligence, digital twins, mixed reality, including augmented reality, 3D printing. What industry 4.0 technologies is Mercury Marine deploying in your manufacturing? So step one is being able to collect the data from the equipment and then have a strategy of where to put the data and how to put the data, whether it be in the cloud, servers, et cetera. So that's sort of step one. Step two is then being able to use that data for simple things, production control, dashboarding, allowing supervisors to have real-time information on how the plant is running. Then it gets into the really interesting part where after we're collecting the data, we can deploy, whether it be machine learning or k-mean clustering, things to evaluate the processes and the data to improve overall, whether it be cycle times, reduce scrap, better quality coming out of the plants. And to do that, we have to link that via barcodes or different technology all the way through our manufacturing process. So if you think what starts on one side of the street in a die cast machine, we track all the pressures, all the temperatures, everything that went into making that part. And then we track that all the way through machining in case we find a defect we're able to analyze the data and try and understand what caused that defect in the process. So this has been a tremendous windfall for us, not only tracking, but understanding the data and how to improve it. But you have to start with connecting the equipment. And then next dashboarding, certainly there's a progression. So I'm really proud of what we accomplished here over the last just five to six years. I think it's interesting that you use that term windfall Uh, In terms of the benefits of Industry 4.0 technologies, I know a lot of times manufacturers look what can potentially be a huge investment in these technologies doesn't necessarily have to be to get started, but it really is about ROI. It really is about leaning out manufacturing processes, driving waste out. By the way, I love the way and how articulately you you speak about these technologies. Clearly, your background in operations lends itself really well to the current role and running the entire company. I want to talk now about this whole topic of sustainability. Now, one of the things I've already learned today is that you use recycled tire rims in the beginning of your manufacturing process. Who would have guessed that that was part of the manufacturing of a boat motor or of a boat engine? I know sustainability is a big part of your operation in other areas. You're utilizing more sustainable energy resources. You now have an array of 320 
solar panels that was installed in your headquarters in Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. And you announced, I think this is really curious, the company's goal to meet at least half of your electricity needs with renewable energy within the next 10 years, in fact, less than 10 years by the year 2030. Tell us about that goal and why sustainability is important to you and to the company. Well, Matt, you'll see some more announcements from Mercury. We're one of the top energy users in the state. So when we take these goals, it's not uh, we're running a small office building. This is we are running a high pressure machine. We are smelting our own aluminum. So the energy usage is great here at Mercury Marine. So we're looking at the, a, a lot of different technologies. We've been on this path for quite some time now whether it be improving, minimizing our waste, improving efficiencies. Our journey has begun not just recently, but a long, long time ago towards this. So we understand that our our product is used in the environment to allow people to relax on a great uh, clean body of water. We're a piece of that whole ecosystem, and we're going to make sure that we do our part to ensure people have that chance to enjoy it. So more announcements for Mercury. We will look forward to hearing about that as you continue down this road of sustainability for your company, for the environment, for your community. I want to talk now about the advanced manufacturing workforce. It's been 12 years now since Mercury Marine announced the closing of that facility, later moving all of that production to Fond du Lac, Wisconsin. I'm curious, how has the Wisconsin workforce and your workforce changed over the 12 years that have passed since that announcement? I think the workforce has changed along with the company. We've changed quite a bit as well. If you think of the, the makeup of our current workforce, we invested heavily in safety, 5S, cleanliness of the facility, ergonomics, lift assist measures. Also, the technology requirements for individuals is getting much, much more. So they operate a lot of machining centers. They do evaluate uh, and do gauge R&R, the math and the science and those type of uh, attributes play a heavy role in manufacturing now. Every time that we look to upgrade, we look at ergonomics, how we interface with employees and the environment. In fact, just recently we upgraded our gear manufacturing centers. In the past, we used to cool the cutting with cutting fluid. In some cases that would be open to the environment. Certainly it creates waste uh, as well. We moved to dry cutting where there's no cutting fluids needed and automated loading. So it helped the employee, it helped the environment, and it certainly helped overall productivity within the facility. Yep, for without question. So the automated machine tending, the whole idea of finding ways to be back to the topic of sustainability, have less of an impact, a negative impact on our environment, and at the same time, creating a more positive experience for the workforce, all fantastic innovations. When we think about the experience of the workforce, let's talk about engineering talent. We've covered this a little bit already. 420 engineers at Mercury Marine, 111 of them with master's degrees, 11 of them with PhDs, obviously an incredibly well-built, well-refined team of engineers on the manufacturing and on the product innovation side. Now, designing and engineering next-gen engine technology, rather, it's a unique job, particularly as the industry continues to use more of the technologies we've talked about already a little bit, embedded smart technologies and so on in these engines and in the propulsion systems. If you were talking, Chris, to a high school or a college student who was listening to this episode, 
what qualities and skills make for one of those great 420 engineers at Mercury Marine? I'm going to not talk about some of the technical skills, Matt, because some that that's almost a given. But in asking our engineering team, what are some of the other qualities that they find in really good engineers? Uh, one, there's certainly a passion, a willingness to learn and challenge the status quo. There's certainly the attitude that he brings in or she brings in to the department. Also, the engineers interact with so many different departments, so many different areas. How they interface with such a broad spectrum of people becomes important also because our hydrodynamics team could be working with the base engine team and then with manufacturing on assembly also could be working with our customers on integrating the product. So having a good sense of customer service is important to many of our engineers as well. So not only do the technical skills play a big part, but some of these softer skills are just as important. So the physics and the calculus, certainly important in engineering, but at least for the purposes of this episode, the passion, the willingness to to learn, be a lifelong learner, so important as technology changes, and to be able to interact with people within and outside of the engineering discipline, be able to have discussions, explain, collaborate. So continuing on this concept of education, of industrial partnerships, and so on, one of the purposes of this podcast is to highlight the importance of industry education partnerships and building a strong workforce. And now you've been a leader in this space with your partnership with Moraine Park Technical College and the Mercury Marine Training Center at their Beaver Dam, Wisconsin campus. What can you tell us about this partnership and how your organization benefits from it? I really appreciate Moraine Park Technical College and their willingness to evaluate the needs that local businesses have and then react and develop programs and education materials to support that. So from machining basics, to robotics programming now, which they're expanding, to moving in and uh, going into supervisor soft skill training. They've been a great partner to help us address some of the needs that we have in training. And they've been doing it proactively. When they develop these programs, they invite members of the business community to help define what those are. I think they've done an excellent job in gathering that BOC, understanding their customers, and then putting programs in place to to help. So certainly a relationship that you're proud of, the great things that are happening at Moraine Park Technical College, not just on the manufacturing technology, but also on the soft skills, understanding how they can be thinking ahead of their manufacturers by sitting the right people around the table, having the right people on their advisory boards, listening to them, developing curriculum on a proactive basis. If we maybe open up the discussion a little bit broader to education in general, our conversation today, Chris, is focused a lot on innovation in the marine power space. We've talked a lot about engineering. We've talked about manufacturing technology. As education looks to manufacturing for more and more direction, for more and more ideas about how they can innovate in the same fashion that manufacturers are innovating, what is one thing that education could do better to produce the innovators and the technicians of tomorrow? A a couple of things come to mind, Matt. One is a broader base in Lean Six Sigma. Engineers play a just a crucial role in helping design products that can be manufactured easily, 
and also are reliable and robust in the marketplace. So whether it's Lean Six Sigma or even design for Six Sigma, making sure their designs are robust and easily manufactured, I think that would be one area that I would point to, to say at least moving forward and having people more well-rounded in those areas would be beneficial. As a manufacturing person myself, I often say, if you give me somebody who has read The Goal by Goldratt, understands the theory of constraints, can identify a bottleneck in a manufacturing process, and then bring technology and thought leadership to bear on fixing that bottleneck, I'll show you somebody who is worth their weight in gold in the world of manufacturing. And certainly your focus on Lean Six Sigma, and it's not just about the process, right? To your point, it's about how do we design for manufacturability? How do we think about the manufacturer of the product? while we're designing it so that we don't have to go back and then figure out how to make something in an efficient process in an efficient fashion. It's interesting. Our engineering teams partner with our manufacturing employees on initial builds and understanding how easily or difficult the products go together and provide that feedback before it ever hits the the manufacturing floor, which has proved to be invaluable in cranking out all these outboard and stir drive engines, Matt. And I think that's one of the things, Chris, that has impressed me most about this discussion is how that theme of innovation, how that theme of advancing technology, how that theme of a team working together just permeates your whole culture. It's not just about specific silos doing their job and doing it well. It's about how does that sense of innovation, that sense of thinking about tomorrow thread itself through the entire company. So just a great discussion we've had today around advancements in marine technology. We've talked all about your needs from educators, where your partnerships with education are taking place, and also about how technology is advancing itself, not just in your products, but in the way that you manufacture that product. So I want to make sure that we Thank you specifically, Chris, for the time that we spent together. Chris Trees, president of Mercury Marine. What a great discussion, and thanks so much for being with us. Thank you, Matt. Enjoyed it. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Tech Ed Podcast. If you haven't already, subscribe, leave a review, and if you like this episode, share it with a friend. New episodes launch every Tuesday, so listen in next week.